This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, October 1st. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. America is rapidly approaching defaulting on our debt, and Democrats continue to promote their $3.5 trillion spending bill and $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. California Republican Representative Tom McClintock joins the show today to explain why he is concerned over America's economic future. McClintock breaks down the latest information on both spending bills and why Democrats are so eager to pass their multi-trillion dollar bill, despite even facing opposition from within their own party. Don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. And now, on to today's top news. West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin says he won't support Democrats' $3.5 trillion spending bill. Democrats are trying to pass the large bill through a special process called reconciliation, which would require support from all 50 Democrats. Manchin spoke with reporters outside the U.S. Capitol on Thursday and told them that his top-line spending limit for the large social infrastructure bill is $1.5 trillion per Politico. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. Manchin is not the only Democrat to raise concerns over the cost of the $3.5 trillion bill. Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona has also been hesitant to support the large spending package. With the Senate evenly divided and no Republicans supporting the $3.5 trillion bill, Democrats will need all 50 votes from their party to pass the legislation. But now, with Senator Manchin saying he will not support a social infrastructure bill over $1.5 trillion, it is possible that Democrats may have to cut the bill by $2 trillion. But that remains to be seen. The Supreme Court will soon be taking up a case surrounding the city of Boston's refusal to fly a flag representing a Christian organization outside Boston City Hall. Camp Constitution, a Christian group that teaches U.S. history and current events through a Judeo-Christian lens, applied to fly their flag outside of Boston City Hall back in 2017, but were rejected on the grounds that flying the flag would be an endorsement of specific religious views, per Politico. The city of Boston has flown flags for outside groups outside City Hall before, including for gay pride or for foreign countries. But city officials rejected the Christian group's flag on the basis it would appear to convey an endorsement of particular religious views. After the initial refusal to fly the flag by the city, an appeals court panel agreed unanimously that the city hadn't violated Cam Constitution's First Amendment rights. It is expected that the Supreme Court will begin hearing oral arguments in early 2022, with a possible ruling by late June. The gunmaker Smith & Wesson is headed south. The company announced Thursday that they are moving their headquarters from Springfield, Massachusetts to Maryville, Tennessee. The company is making the move because of a proposed Massachusetts law that prohibits the manufacturing of any assault weapon unless it is being made for law enforcement or the military. The company is also closing its facilities in Connecticut and Missouri. 750 of Smith & Wesson's employees will be making the move with them down to Tennessee. 
The facility in Massachusetts will remain operational to produce some parts and will employ about 1,000 workers. CEO Mark Smith said the decision to move Smith & Wesson's headquarters was a difficult one, but he said the move is necessary for the company's continued health and strength. The gun manufacturer is spending about $120 million to build a new facility in Tennessee. It appears that the corporation chose Tennessee because of the state's stance on the Second Amendment and its pro-business environment. Now stay tuned for my conversation with California Republican Representative Tom McClintock as we discuss the latest on the Democrats' multi-trillion dollar spending bills. I'm Zach Smith. And I'm Giancarlo Canaparo. And if you want to understand what's happening at the Supreme Court, be sure to check out SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast. We take a look at the cases, the personalities, and the gossip at the highest court in the land. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you find your podcasts. It's SCOTUS 101. I am so pleased to be joined by Congressman Tom McClintock of California. Congressman, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I will note for our audience that we are having this conversation on Thursday afternoon. Congressman, we so appreciate you taking the time to be here. It's a busy day in Congress and across Capitol Hill with lawmakers voting on a spending bill to approve funds to keep the government open through December 3rd. Democrats actually wanted to include a measure in that funding bill to raise the debt limit. Republicans blocked that. Could you just explain why Democrats are trying to raise that debt limit and then also uh, why Republicans are opposed to raising the debt ceiling? Well, the debt limit is like the debt limit on your credit card. And uh, if you go on a borrowing binge and run up a huge amount on your credit card, you've got two options. Number one, stop digging the hole, stop spending all that money, or see if you can get the bank to raise the credit limit. Uh, in this case, it's the Congress raising its own credit limit, but it's the same general principle. Uh, and that, that is supposed to be there as at least a speed bump so that when we are borrowing money out of your future earnings and your future prosperity, we at least pause and ask ourselves, do we really need to be spending all of this, and what's it getting us, and what can we do to be more efficient, the way any family would do in similar circumstances? Of course, the Congress under Nancy Pelosi doesn't do that uh, because all of the spending they do, according to them, doesn't cost anything. And now they're looking at a, uh, a $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, which is actually about $5.5 trillion, uh, uh, more than we spent in World War II. Uh, uh, for their, their, their social agenda, which includes everything from uh, beefing up the, uh, the IRS to come after working families uh, to um, uh, granting amnesty for, for 8 to 10 million illegal immigrants who are in this country and demand to stay. Mm, wow, that's right. And we're going to dive into the details of that $3.5 trillion bill uh, in just a moment. But if you would help me understand a little bit more about uh, about the, the argument and the controversy over this debt limit. You know, as recently as Tuesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she told Congress that there will be catastrophic consequences if the debt ceiling isn't raised. Well, America's currently in 28 
$1.43 trillion worth of debt. Our debt ceiling limit right now is set to $28.4 trillion. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. Are there any good options here? I mean, raising the debt ceiling sends America in, into further debt, which, as you say, we all have to pay that off eventually. Uh, but Yellen says that there's going to be these catastrophic implications in the short term for America's economy and really for economies across the world if we default on our loans. Here's the thing about default. A relatively small amount, I mean, it's growing every year, and I shouldn't say relatively. It's, uh, I think our debt service now is well over $400 billion a year. But what we pay for debt service is what we've actually borrowed from capital markets. And as you may have noticed, when you borrow money from some company, they generally like to have you pay it back. In fact, they insist on it, and they uh, charge interest until you do. Mm -hmm. That number's been consistently growing. Uh, uh, and, and dangerously growing. In fact, the fastest growing part of the federal budget is our our debt service costs. But it's a it's a still a relatively small part of overall spending. Now, what that means is, if you were well, let me put it this way: if 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 you uh, uh, were running up a big credit card debt, what would you do? Obviously, you'd try to take measures to to cut back, and that, that's mm -hmm. why we have that debt limit to force the, the Congress to do that. Uh, but what you'd also do, you'd also do, is make damn sure that you pay back the minimum payment on your credit card first, right? Before you do anything else, you don't want them to cancel the credit card. So you 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 will first and foremost pay back the minimum payment on your credit card. Right. The federal government has that, and 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 you could go a very long time doing that. The federal government has that authority. It was established uh, uh, in the Organic Act that first set up the Treasury Department, uh, uh, an act written by James Madison when he was in Congress, uh, and it's been consistently affirmed every time. Uh, it's been, in, in fact, it's enshrined in the uh, in the Constitution uh, uh, to assure that the debt's not questioned. So the, the point is, the administration has the ability to prioritize all of its expenditures to be damn sure that the credit cards paid off first. What they pretend is they can't do that. They're going to pay everybody as if we don't have a debt. That's a choice, and it's a very bad choice, and it's actually, I think, a phony choice. They're not going to do that. So there's not going to be any default on the debt. Uh, what there may be are delayed payments to vendors, and that's a different matter. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for explaining that. That's very helpful. Well, and I I know uh, that you know one of the biggest controversies in this conversation about raising the debt limit and spending more is, as you mentioned, Democrats' $3.5 trillion spending bill. And you know many, many members of Congress have been very outspokenly opposed to this bill. Uh, even West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin called the $3.5 trillion spending package fiscal insanity. Explain what exactly is in this bill and why Democrats are trying so hard to push it through Congress. Well, first of all, we, we, we have to understand what a trillion is. Arthur Laffer loves to call that a mego number, M-E-G-O. My eyes glaze over. A trillion dollars has no reference point <laughs> in the real world. But let me mm -hmm. boil it down to a family-sized number. You divide the number of households in America into that number, uh, it's about $8,000 per family. Now, I, I just mentioned it's not three and a half trillion because uh, they pretend that permanent increases entitlements are only temporary. Um, once you take that pretend out of their number, it's actually about five and a half 
trillion dollars. So that's more than $40,000 that's going to be added on to your family's credit card statement just as surely as if it appeared on your credit card bill. In fact, you're required to pay that money back before you pay back your credit card. This is to support uh, this massive expenditure, this huge increase in the welfare state. But you know, as, as I said, you have to understand there are only three ways that that, that money can be fined. When, whenever government spends a, a, a dollar, it first has to take a dollar out of the economy. Every dollar it gives to you, it first has to take from you. And there are only three ways to do it, either through current taxes, and they've got about $2 trillion of tax increases in this. That robs you out of your, your, your current purchasing power. There's borrowing. That robs you of your future purchasing power because you have to pay that back plus interest through your future taxes. You may have noticed the IRS is pretty insistent that you do. Uh, (laughs) Or the third is to print money. And, of course, that robs you every time you go shopping, every time you go to the gas station, the grocery store, because it reduces the value of your earnings. And at the same time, it silently hollows out your savings and retirement funds. We had a 5.3% uh, uh, annual uh, inflation in August. What that means is if you scrimped and saved and put together $100,000 towards your retirement, the government just took $5,300 of that. Of, uh, uh, you don't see your balance drop, but you're, the 100000 that you put away for your retirement now purchases $5,300 less in goods. That's, that's the inflation that they've unleashed on us already, and it's going to get worse from here. And one of the lies you hear is, oh, well, this is uh, – don't worry. It's only businesses that will be paying these taxes. Well, the problem, of course, with that is businesses don't pay business taxes. People pay business taxes. <laughs> you pay business taxes either as a consumer through higher prices or as an employee through lower wages or as an investor through lower earnings. Again, that's your retirement fund. Those are the only three possible ways a business tax can be paid. So they're, they're coming after working families, and you know this because one of the provisions in this reconciliation bill is to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. Now, I want you to think about that, 87,000 new IRS agents, 87,000 is every man, woman, and child living in Miami Beach, Florida, or Ogden, wow. Utah. Now, imagine the entire population of one of these cities unleashed to go after every taxpayer in America. And you know where they're aiming this because in their American Families Plan, there's a requirement that your bank reports every one of your private transactions over $600 to the IRS. So you, you buy a sofa, you buy a TV, it's automatically reported to the IRS. Now, does that sound to you like they're coming after the Biden family? (laughs) (laughs) They're coming after your family. And by the way, if you're a typical American family, last year you paid more in taxes than you paid for food, clothing, health care, and entertainment combined. Yet, according to the Democrats, that's just not enough. So you've got $2 trillion of additional taxes coming that you'll either pay directly as a taxpayer or indirectly as a consumer, an employee, or an investor. Uh, well, I know I'm certainly not alone as an American when you know you look at your pay stub and you see how much was taken out for taxes, and uh, it, it's pretty discouraging when you see that. And by the way, we want to talk about the reconciliation bill. You want to throw in the the uh, the so-called infrastructure bill that for which only a fraction goes for for conventional infrastructure, or the two nearly two trillion dollars they already spent earlier this year on a party line vote. 
um, the, the, the amount of money is absolutely staggering, and, and and it is going to have an enormously negative impact on the quality of life of every American as a result. You know, all that free money they keep promising. Turns out that, that free money is very expensive. So, Congressman, you're saying that even though the the rhetoric we're hearing from the left is, you know, the wealthiest of the wealthy Americans, they're the ones that are footing this bill. You're saying, no, it, it's actually it's it's the middle class. It's it's everyday Americans that are going to be paying for this and that are going to be really harmed by this much debt. Yeah. And, and, and you know that's who they're going after because you see all of the signs in their legislation, the, 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 the massive increase in IRS agents, the automatic reporting of, of, of $600 of personal transactions every time you buy something. Uh, uh, you, know, you, you can see exactly who they're coming after. And at the same time, by the way, uh, uh, they are uh, doing everything they can to put provisions in that bill. In fact, provisions are in the bill now for – amnesty and legal permanent residence and a fast track to citizenship for between 8 and 10 million foreign nationals who, who are uh, have illegally entered our country and, and, and that are demanding to stay. And again, we, we, uh, another mega number, what's 8 million? The low end of what they're granting is amnesty. 8 million is the entire population of the states of Wyoming, Alaska, Vermont, South Dakota, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Montana, and Maine combined. Hmm. And that's at a time when, when real family earnings are, are, are declining, crime's increasing, homelessness is rampant, and this mounting debt is absolutely killing the American dream of, of a better future for our children. So where does this $3.5 trillion bill stand right now, and how likely do you think it is that Democrats will succeed in pushing it through Congress? Well, it's a reconciliation measure, so it only requires a majority vote in the House and a majority vote in the Senate to, to go to uh, to Biden, who's already said he's going to sign. In fact, he's you know, bragging about signing it. Um, so uh, uh, I think the chances, unfortunately, are are pretty good. Uh, obviously, right now you've got Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, two Democrats in the Senate, are saying, "Ah, oh, there is spending a little too much money. We're not sure about this." But I would hate to see the fate of the republic rest on on those narrow shoulders, uh, and and that's where we are right now. So it's mm -hmm. it's a very real possibility. And how close do you think we are to a vote? I know, you know, in, we have uh, Democratic leaders that have. In, repeatedly really tried to bring this to the floor for votes and keeps getting delayed, keeps getting delayed. Could we see this brought to the floor for a vote uh, sometime within the next month? Well, you'll see it brought to the vote the moment that they've bludgeoned enough Democrats to pass it out of the House and the Senate. And you know that because Nancy Pelosi's already said so. Um, mm. That's where we are. And mm. <laughs> people Everywhere I go now, I mean, they, they, they look at the, at the collapse of our southern border. They, they look at, at the, the uh, wicked inflation that's now been unleashed at, at, at all of the new restrictions that are, that are hobbling our, our economy. They look at the, the catastrophe uh, in Afghanistan. Um, uh, they look at all these things and say, how could this possibly be happening to our country? And I'm afraid the answer is very simple. If you voted for the Democrats, this is exactly what you voted for. And hmm. if you're surprised by that, well, then you weren't paying very close attention. Hmm. Hmm. Congressman, you mentioned the 
$1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. The Senate has already passed this bill. Now it's waiting for a vote in the House. The bill has received some report from uh, from Republicans in the Senate. Explain what exactly this infrastructure bill is. What's included in this? Well, first of all, most of it is, is uh, Green New Deal subsidies uh, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to green energy companies, uh, uh, massive handouts, uh, 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 among other things, you know, huge uh, uh, subsidies for, for the fashionable elite who, who buy you know, Teslas, for example. Uh, I'll, I'll, if you remember the, uh, the, the enormous taxpayer uh, burden uh, when they extended all these subsidies to Solyndra, uh, a, a solar energy company that immediately collapsed, uh, you begin to get a sense of, of, of what's going on. Uh, that's what they call infrastructure. Uh, uh, not traditional uh, uh, roads and bridges, which are t- a tiny fraction of the amount involved. But the other, the other really sinister thing about this is it's turning completely upside down the whole way that we uh, we normally finance infrastructure. It used to be that the the infrastructure was financed by the people who used the infrastructure. If you if it's a highway, then that was paid for by highway users through their gas tax. Uh, if it was a dam, that was paid by the people who used the water and electricity off that dam. It was called the beneficiary pays principle. It assured that uh, we weren't robbing St. Petersburg to pay St. Paul. Why should St. Petersburg pay for the um, for for a water system uh, for St. Paul? Uh, in the past, St. Paul paid for its water system. St. Petersburg paid for its. Every community paid for the things that it used exclusively, uh, and it was paid for the, by the beneficiaries. This whole new world that we're in uh, under the Democrats, we simply finance it from taxpayers. And that way, uh, it's no longer consumers telling us what they, what they want. It's politicians telling the consumers what they will have. And that is a huge change in the way we've approached infrastructure traditionally in this country. Uh, uh, you know, we uh, began ripping off, for example, our highway funds for purposes unrelated to our highways. Now, much of what you pay in gas taxes don't don't go to your streets and roads. They go to subsidies for mass transit systems. They go to all sorts of of, of green objectives. Um, they no longer go into your highways, and that's why we have such a problem, uh, both uh, both nationally, and you can see the same thing in California, which uh, for many decades has had among the highest uh, uh, gas taxes in the country, and yes, uh, yet spends at the very bottom uh, in uh, per capita spending for roads. Hmm. So where does this bill stand right now, and how likely is it that that's we're like going to see, it, see they're, this pass? We're, we're simply waiting uh, now to find out if the uh, if the Democrats are able to put enough votes together, uh, okay. they, as you know, in the uh, in the case of, of the House, uh, the extreme left of the Democratic Party is arguing with the left of the Democratic Party. The extreme left uh, uh, wants to uh, have a vote on the and pass the reconciliation bill. That's the majority vote bill. That's that five and a half trillion dollar bill we were talking about before they mm-hmm. vote on on the uh, one. $1.2 trillion infra, so-called infrastructure bill. Uh, yeah. They want it done that way because they think that enhances the chances of both passing. They, they really uh, uh, have an objective on the reconciliation bill. The thing that makes the, the, the reconciliation bill so, so – well, they're, they're both dangerous. One, because the, infra, the so-called infrastructure bill is already passed out of the Senate. 
Um, if the House passes it without changes, it goes straight to the president for signature. Um, the reconciliation bill, because there's if if they are able to keep all the Democrats together in the Senate, they pass it by a simple majority vote. Hmm. I, I think it's been fascinating to see how determined Democrats have really been to try and pass these two bills together. You mentioned that. Uh, I know that's been one of their key objectives, and obviously Republicans have made that challenging for them. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Congressman, just how worried should the American people really be about our economy right now? I'm terrified about it. First mm -hmm. of all, the, the, the amount of damage that's been done by these lockdowns is astronomical. We see now seeing study after study after study that, that demonstrate they had no impact on the spread of the virus. Those jurisdictions that destroyed their economies by locking down have the same viral curves as those that did. In fact, if you look at Sweden, which never ordered lockdowns, never ordered masks, never closed schools, never shut down businesses. Um, uh, last time I checked, about a week ago, their mortality rate from COVID was about 500 per million less than that of the United States. In other words, if we had Sweden's um, uh, mortality rate for, for COVID, uh, there'd be about 190,000 fewer dead Americans. And don't forget, Sweden has an older population, so they should be much more vulnerable to COVID. Uh, as a result, because COVID strikes so much more severely at the, the elderly. So um, it's, the damage just from that is astronomical. And then you put on top of that the kind of spending they're talking about. And again, when they spend a dollar, they take a dollar out of the economy to do it. Uh, and the impact that is going to have on on businesses trying to get back on their feet. And then all of the welfare spending that they've done, the enhanced unemployment benefits, uh, which actually pay people more not to work than to go back to work. That's having a terrible impact on the ability of employers to get back up on their feet. Uh, so, uh, and, 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 the, and the really frustrating thing about that is before these lockdown leftists took a, uh, a wrecking ball to our economy, uh, under Donald Trump, because we'd gotten major tax reductions and the biggest regulatory relief in the history of the country, uh, we, we, we were experiencing a, a period of unprecedented economic expansion, best economic, economy in our lifetimes. Uh, we had the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. We had the lowest poverty rate in 60 years. We had the fastest wage growth in 40 years, and it was blue-collar workers that were seeing the biggest increases in wages. Of, of The income gap for the first time in decades was actually narrowing. That was because of the Trump tax cuts, the Trump regulatory relief, and also, I believe, because Trump was able to get control of our border uh, and stop this enormous influx of, uh, of, of low-wage labor that's depressing uh, workers' wages and has been for a decade. Uh, hmm. So when you contrast where we were under the Trump policies and where we are today under the Biden policies, it's sickening. And the, uh, the prospect of going another three years down this road is, is painful to think about. Is there anything that the American people can do? Yes, there is everything the American people can do. This We haven't been struck by some act of God. I, I used to blame at least COVID for as an act of God, but it turns out, no, that was <laughs> that was financed in part by our government uh, 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 through the, the uh, 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 gain-of-function research in Wuhan that we were helping to finance. My point is, 
this is all a matter of public policy, including the lockdowns uh, that were, were uh, used COVID as the excuse. These are all matters of public policy. We can change that any time that we, the American people, summon the political will to do so. And the only question is whether the American people have had a belly full of this nonsense and want to restore policies that produce the big, greatest economic uh, growth in, in our lifetimes, secure borders, and a secure country. Representative Tom McClintock of California. Congressman, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all on Monday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.